What is going on everybody? How are you doing? Welcome back to another episode of Not Rocket Science, a show about the intersectional relationship between the business, technology, and culture. Wow, I went Austrian straight to Jamaican. Interesting. Interesting. I'm just kind of freestyling today. Seeing where this takes me, but how are you? How are you? It's not about me. It's about you. How's it going? Um, well, summer has started to arrive here in New York. It is hot AF today. It is straight up middle of summer hot today, which is great. Except the only thing is, A, it makes recording these a fun time because I got everything off, all my fans off. I got the windows closed because people be playing outside and everything and you can't be hearing none of that. And B, I haven't really uh, cleaned my AC yet, so that isn't quite ready for prime time. And it is AC weather right now. I think it was like 85 earlier. So, yeah, caught me a bit off guard, but, um, hey, I will take it any day of the week over the BS we've been getting for the past couple months. So, not complaining, ready to turn these podcasts back into feeling like I'm in a sauna, like episodes 15 to 25 or whatever it was last summer. But we are back in the t-shirt shorts weather and... Good to be back. So, what's been going on? Well, not much for me because I didn't watch no goddamn Game of Thrones. I'm not getting into it because I spent almost the entire podcast ranting and raving about it last episode, but I just don't care. I don't care about throne games anymore i watched it for five seasons i lost interest i don't care about the finale i missed the finale it's all anyone's talking about it's the epicenter of the cultural zeitgeist right now and i just don't give a shit i don't give a shit i don't care if daenerys gets her head cut off Jon snow freezes and his dick falls off one of the dragons drinks some gross-ass water and gets the plague and drops dead in the final battle scene. I don't care. I wanted Arya Stark dead three seasons ago. The other Starks, just miscellaneous white people in the background to me. I don't care about them. You know what I hope happens? I hope Tyrion Lannister just takes the throne and runs shit. And that's it. Roll credits. That's what I hope happened. But I'm sure... That didn't happen, and something more boring happened, because that's all anyone's talking about, how boring the season is, or how stupid it is. And then in the comment section, 
you got someone like commenting every season finale of a good show is bad and then some other guy replying like no it's not look at the sopranos look at breaking bad blah 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 i don't care this is making my head hurt it's making me hate social media and i'm sick of it so what have i done instead i have been on a heavy 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 heavyweight nostalgic kick in the past week or so i don't know what's wrong with me binge watching all of these old youtube videos or videos on youtube about old things from like my adolescence i don't know why i do this it's like a rabbit hole i continuously fall into but i was watching one earlier today that was actually kind of interesting it was uh an interesting discussion about why MySpace failed back in the day. I don't know, whoever's listening out there, like if you guys even had MySpaces or even know what MySpace is at this point, it might be that old. It might be old. But, God, I sound like an old-timer. Back in my day, MySpace was essentially running shit. MySpace was basically like Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, all that stuff rolled into one because it was the only one back then. I mean, there was like LiveJournal, but that was different. No one really gave a shit about LiveJournal other than Dashboard Confessional fans, Broken Social Scene fans. Postal Service fans, something corporate fans, people who use quotes from the movie Garden State in their yearbook. You know, that crowd. Uh, They were heavy on LiveJournal, but no one else. Everyone else was either on MySpace or MySpace, and that was about it. And it was really like, it was basically Facebook, pretty much, but the only difference is um, you're a lot more control of your own page, like the design of it. You can embed music onto your page, which caused some usability problems down the road because then other people would embed music in the comments section. It was very much a free-for-all on what you could do with your page, which made it good but eventually made it bad when the platform became oversaturated. But the point being is MySpace was the shit back in the day. Everyone had MySpace. Everybody, even people who didn't get this social media thing. It wasn't even really social media yet. It was just... A social, I guess, website. Um, and Sean Parker, Napster co-founder, president, first president of Facebook, etc. You know, he said on record years later that you know, the only reason Facebook succeeded is because of MySpace's self-sabotage as a company. So, like. For those of you, if you're too young to remember, to give perspective, like, that's how big MySpace was. It was way bigger than Facebook. Way, 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 way bigger than Facebook. And why am I talking about all this? I just think it's a cool lesson into recent history when it comes to these major tech sites, these platforms, social media sites, whatever, that I talk about on this podcast week after week. Other people talk about on their platforms week after week, day after day, year after year. 
um, you know, arguing, debating this stuff, debating, you know, what Facebook should be when it comes to data security and privacy and all that stuff. Like, I think it's fun to kind of take a step back and see the beginnings of all this and try to piece together any real takeaways from, you know, from a business side, if you want, from just a morality and ethics side when it comes to technology and also just, um, I guess from a startup entrepreneurial side, kind of like the pitfalls you can run into when you scale and um, some of the trade-offs that you make for speed early versus slowing it down early. So it's fun to just kind of deep dive into this stuff and play Monday morning quarterback a little bit just to see what you can piece together. So that's, that's the main reason why I'm doing this. If you're wondering why the fuck is this guy talking about MySpace, um, that's why. It was something that just hit me because, you know, I was part of that. It was part of my formative years, if you will, whatever the hell that means. And it was my friend's birthday over the uh, past couple, like this weekend, this past weekend. And it's weird because, like, I remember when he had a MySpace and now we're all old and adults and whatnot. And it's just funny to go back to that time because for me that was like early high school myspace and i always look at everything like what can you learn from this pattern in history that equated in this result the result of them you know folding basically and facebook learning from them for free and blowing up and becoming the juggernaut that they are like what can you take from that and apply it to the future so back to what i was getting at before you know myspace in the year 2004 four five ish i want to say that's when all this was kind of exploding you know myspace was social media everyone was on it and i think part of the reason why people were on myspace so much was just typical adolescence peer pressure kind of like fashion you know someone buys jordans or someone buys this shirt airwalks abercrombie uh, Von Dutch, any of these goofy-ass fashion trends, polo shirts with the collar up that we all get hooked into. I think MySpace originally got popular for reasons like that. I think college kids were doing it, and then their little siblings would start their own pages because they would see what their cooler older brother or sister were doing, and they wanted to copy them, so they copied them, and then their friends copied them, and so on. and so Because that's how Facebook got big, too since it was college-based first. Um, I think MySpace was much, of, it was much of the same thing. And then, you know, the press started picking up on it, and it just created that engine that got hotter and hotter, and everyone had a MySpace. So I think it just was the cool thing to do, much like AOL roughly 10, 9, 8 years before it. It was just anything you can do that gets you out of the reality of you, you know, having to just live your boring suburban lifestyle or whatever bullshit is in your head at the time and lets you kind of explore other stuff. Because, like, kids like to creep around and explore stuff. In my backyard, I used to look for freaking treasure with my friend. And we used to dig for treasure in our backyard. We knew there was no damn treasure, but we were just doing it just to get away from our house parents school whatever the routine was and i think myspace 
provided that you know sense of exploratory curiosity in a digital manner that was very attractive because it's convenient you don't have to even go anywhere or do anything and you can find all this stuff all these people listen to the music that you listen to and that was the other thing a lot of it was music based you know this dude who's a fan of this underground band created a myspace to support the band and then their little brother also got into that band so then they support their band by creating the myspace and then their friends create myspace to support that band basically myspace was for bands like my chemical romance to get popular let's be real here and by the way my chemical romance is from my area and they used to play at the same cafe that i played a few shows at so bloomfield ave cafe what up but it was kind of funny seeing them blow up because they're from, like, Belleville, New Jersey, which is the next town over. And we're like, these guys, really? But uh, they got a lot better really quick, I will say. Um, anyway, so, yeah, bands like, you know, Dashboard Confessional, My Chemical Romance, the whole emo scene really helped with the initial underground push of MySpace becoming a prominent website in a grassrootsy kind of way. But... MySpace had some problems, and this video I watched on YouTube did a really nice job. I think the video channel is called Cold Fusion. Um, they did a really nice job spelling out some of those early, early problems before anyone even realized it was a problem. And one was their tech stack. Um, so the MySpace guys, Tom, Tom and Company, for those of you who know Tom, who's your first digital friend, they were part of some other social network company that was looking at Friendster. They saw the opportunity in Friendster at the time. Friendster was the OG social network before MySpace, before Facebook. There was Friendster. It was Asian. Uh, very few people in America used it. But it was kind of a big deal at one point in time, and they saw, Tom and company saw the market opportunity in Friendster, and they hacked together MySpace in like two weeks, basically. And they used some really crappy programming languages that was like really easy to build with. I forget the name of it. Nothing worthwhile has been built on it since but it was something where they could just get to market quickly with it, and that's what they did, and it worked, and they did get to market very quickly. But it's literally it's not something that's open sourced and widely used. It is not anything still used today. It's some ancient, ancient. Oh shit, that's right. It's Cold Fusion. Duh, duh, dar, 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 dar. Oh my god, I'm a dummy. That's right. I'm the so the guy that made that my the MySpace video, the YouTube video, he mentioned that his channel's named after the language that MySpace was was written in. Uh, I don't know if it was coincidental or he did it as a joke, but yeah, Cold Fusion is the name of the language. Shows you how popular it is these days. No one uses that. And um, one thing they ran into was. As they got super popular, you can't really scale with Cold Fusion at all. And they ran into this issue where they had to replatform, but they couldn't really, from what I understand, do it the right way because that would take way too long. Because I think all this kind of happened at the worst time where they sold, they got their money, Tom got his money. And then they realized they had to scale, but then they had all these corporate uh, 
numbers, KPIs, whatever they had to hit. And it came into this nightmare where they had to, in order to grow, replatform the site, but they couldn't do it the right way because it would take too long and they wouldn't be able to hit any of their revenue goals or whatever, advertising, spend goals. So they built MySpace 2.0, if you want to say, on .NET, which is another garbage language, which the video gets into. It's kind of like a language made by Fred Flintstone. Also not scalable, um, but it was easier to do, and it gets them off of Cold Fusion, which is some bullshit. So that is, on the technical side, some of the issues that MySpace ran into. And then on the, uh, I guess, social-slash-user-experience-slash-emerging-internet side of things, MySpace ran into all them horny pedos sliding into little girls dms and they came under fire for that and that was kind of the first thing that really buried myspace the wave of backlash they got for not having any of the privacy settings that kind of facebook built their platform on as far as not their data but like making it so that creepy pedos you know can access your photo albums and start, you know, beating off without you knowing that they're even visiting your page. Um, that shit started going awry real bad, real quick. You know, guys reaching out to 15-year-olds or whatever. All kinds of grossness like that. There's a lot of creeps on the internet, and I think this was like one of those early lessons where people in-house underestimated the creepiness of people when they're in the comfort of their own homes and just how gross this whole underworld of social media is if you don't have some privacy and security settings in place and that kind of buried them that buried them and then the user experience of myspace also buried them because when you give a lot of people control of their pages to do whatever they want and none of them have experience in like user experience design or even like good sound web or graphic design you're going to run into a lot of ugly shit like i remember pages that would have sparkly gifs of like sparkles everywhere and then it would be like some girl's page and she would have like some Ryan Cabrera song playing or Jesse McCartney or whoever the fuck it was at the time. And then in the comment section, you'd have some like trash rapper trying to like hustle his like rap MySpace page. And then you'd have players embedded as widgets and both of them would autoplay at the same time. So you'd have this like shitty unmastered rap song playing on top of some Ryan Cabrera MTV bullshit. And every time you'd go to someone's page, it would just be this cacophony of visual and audio crap fighting for attention and space. And to me, that was the thing that really plagued MySpace on the user side. Because, yeah, pedos, you know, sliding into teenagers' DMs is gross and all. But for the most part, I don't think most high school kids were really experiencing that that often, at least to their knowledge. 
And I think the thing that really slowed MySpace down was actually giving the people too much power and too much control. It's kind of like government. It's kind of like why pure democracy doesn't work. You know, in a pure democracy in, like, Athens or whatever, governing law kind of became a free-for-all, and decisions were held in uh, coalitions and tyranny of the majority ran wild and people were pressured to do shit they didn't want to do and yada 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 um it's pretty much established that pure democracy does not work and because of too much power too much control too many differences in taste opinion whatever and myspace is kind of like a web design version of that when you give everyone too much power to do whatever they want you just get crap on crap on crap on crap on crap and nothing that's actually usable nor presentable and that to me is the thing that really buried myspace and it's one of the things that helped facebook facebook was very much the opposite you had to be in college originally to even have a facebook page you have no control of facebook's uh, your page on facebook really as far as the look other than the photos but originally on Facebook, it was just your profile photo and then your your information. That's really all you had control of. You had no design control whatsoever. And it made Facebook look boring. Like, that's one of the main reasons I didn't even like Facebook was how boring it all looked to me. I felt like it looked super boring. And I liked the personalization. You know, the 17-year-old me or whatever liked the uh, personalization that MySpace provided, but... The older me looks back and realizes those problems because you had some weird-ass fonts. You had, like, you could pick your background wallpaper as just a photo, but the photo was the wrong size. So it would be this, like, pixelated, ugly-ass presentation of a photo as your page background. There's just, like, all kinds of weird, goofy shit like that that MySpace had that you should not have control over. You should not have that much control. Um, And it was really the music thing, because music was such a strong part of MySpace's identity. But when you have these widgets autoplaying everywhere, it was just, there's no rules. There's no, like, you shouldn't be able to embed music widgets in the comments section, for example, but you're allowed to do that. So someone can have nine songs playing at once, which makes the page load slower and makes everything slower because it's built on .NET that doesn't really support that stuff very well in the first place. So just the UX was a nightmare. The tech stack was a nightmare. And they were scrambling to put out just fires constantly. That's what wound up happening due to the uh, creepy pedos coming to light and the government cracking down on it. They scrambled to put in security settings and that took forever. And they were just putting out privacy and security fires while facebook was scaling and growing and building and getting better and uh in a nutshell that's the reason why myspace failed and then once it was uh sold and corporate got a hold of it it was harder to move quickly at all on any level because of you know corporate culture and approvals and sign-offs and uh Gaining collective understanding on the goals and priorities of this initiative. You know, all that corporate bullshit slows progress down. And that's another reason why my uh, Facebook was able to overtake MySpace. Because they, at the time, were still a real startup. 
They could do whatever they want. They were balling out in Silicon Valley. And the funniest thing is MySpace turned down um, an acquisition offer from Facebook to get Facebook for $75 million. Pretty hilarious. They turned that down because it was too much money. Now, I'm not going to grill them too hard for that. Because no one knew. No one knew Facebook was going to be what it is now. Like, I remember Facebook when it was still just for colleges, and it was not at all obvious that it was going to blow up and become what it became. So I'm not going to be like, told you so or anything. But knowing what I know now, and if I knew the profiles of those two companies, it's a little obvious. Because like I was saying before, you know, no one out of the founders of MySpace was an engineer, had a real engineering background. Like Tom, Tom was a product tester, quote unquote, and copywriter. Chris DeWolf, who was the other co-founder of MySpace, was also not somebody with a strong engineering background, per se. A smart guy, had really good vision for the uh, the future of what the internet would eventually become. You know, he had that vision at Steve Jobs' side, but there was no one that was a Wozniak in that MySpace, uh, early MySpace team, or even like a Zuckerberg. You know, Zuckerberg was a, is a programmer. Yeah, that's what he was. That's his background. So when you compare the two and you see that, you're kind of like, Ugh, and then you learn about their tech stack and you're like, well, fuck, of course you guys are going to fold. And then they were just, sometimes when it comes to these new spaces, being first to market is a bad thing if you're opening up this weird Pandora's box with all these new ugly discoveries like creepy ass pedos hitting on high school girls and things like that that you didn't even know were there like it was it's like the instance of just not knowing what you don't know and you don't even know you have to kind of put procedures and protocols and rules and security settings in place to combat these things because hey you're not technical you don't really work on site architecture and thinking about privacy and security and b i don't even know if someone with it background or a even web engineering background would know because it's just this brand new terrain that congratulations you guys discovered and the good side is they were able to sell a news corp for 580 million dollars the bad side is not discovering or being able to foresee these types of situations is what led to their downfall and allowed my uh, facebook to claim that number one spot Know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, that was Facebook. And that song came from this exact same time. How about Dem Apples? But, yeah, so... what is, What's the point of all this? Why am I talking about this? Why am I even talking about any of this stuff other than as a form of uh, therapy or catharsis or something because I've been such a, on such a heavy nostalgic tip lately because I've been watching like old 
metal videos of bands I only marginally liked in the early 2000s. I've been looking at old video games and like the old uh, Mortal Kombat and the blood code that caused such hysteria in the early 90s. Like I'm watching all kinds of weird shit. And uh, I don't, there's no like hidden product insight here where it's like, I think if some one took MySpace's platform and took the good parts like the customization options and then optimized the bad parts like the security settings that they missed early on, blah, 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 there'd be high market potential. No, no, no. I don't think any of that. I think Instagram is killing it right now with the self-expression via stories and things like that. And they have a platform that's clean looking so that all that crap that you saw on MySpace pages is not there. And that's been kind of matured as a way to do social networking sites at this point in time. Um, If there is ever an opportunity to reinvent social networking, I think it has to be coupled with something else that's being revolutionized, like... uh, you know, like blockchain, so there's that platform Mines, which is based on blockchain, or if like Patreon or something went to blockchain. And in that sense, there might be some market opportunity. But to me, all this more boils down to there's something missing in social media right now. I don't know, some magic sauce that MySpace had. I don't know what it is, and I'm trying to figure out how to uncover it. But I think it was just honestly... um it was still this time where like it was kind of like rock and roll now rock and roll is not cool it was this time where it was like the secret that the mainstream didn't really know about yet and i think the next myspace will come when there's that new secret that younger people tap into that takes a while for the the masses to understand somehow hip-hop's kind of sustained itself you know, rock got overly commercialized and lame and corny. Somehow hip-hop stayed on the underground because I think in just when it comes to sheer demographics, it's always going to be somewhat of a subculture. You know what I mean? Um, I think when it comes to, like, SoundCloud rap, indie rap, underground rap, even though hip-hop now is as mainstream as rock or pop or anything else, where it's kind of like high fashion, like where the trends happen is still a small amount of people and that's what's kind of preserved hip-hop and that's what kept it kind of the secret thing but when it comes to like social networking you had everything's wide scale you know what i mean everything's a small company that blows up and becomes the most massive thing so whoever it is that's going to create the next social network i hope they have this level of customization that MySpace had in the sense of like making something your own um, in a way that goes beyond what you can do on contemporary social media sites. But the point is, is something's missing. If I'm nostalging this hard, something's missing. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that next thing is going to be. And if you're from a startup entrepreneurial standpoint, if you're trying to make that next thing, I mean, the big lesson here is if you're creating a product for everybody, and by everybody, you mean everybody, like a 15-year-old, you better have your security preferences 
in a you know ducks in a row per se. I mean, Silicon Valley, the show, even made a uh, episode about this where they created this like chat thing and uh, <clears throat> didn't have any security preferences for people underage where they had to like opt in or whatever, and they got fined every chat like. T- 10 cents or whatever or a dollar and it wound up being like 40 billion dollars or something but uh of a loss a potential lawsuit it didn't wind up happening but point is is have tech people in place and do not try to start a business with nobody with a technical engineering site architecture background who because those guys will think of this stuff before you do it is what it is but I'm just nostalgic hard right now. I think it's just because something's missing. I feel left out. I'm not the cool kid watching Game of Thrones, even though I heard the finale sucked. Still, um, this might be a secret FOMO where I am just diving down memory lane because I am out of the loop. Whatever. Anyway, that being said, I'm going to end this episode now. Hope you guys enjoyed it, even though it's not as businessy as some of the other ones. It's not talking about stock plays or potential moves you can make. It's just kind of a fun episode. Recapping something that blew up a long time ago, but at a time I was still old enough to remember well. And uh, it was pretty cool seeing all that. But the point is, is those guys did not have enough technical background and folded on their own because they built their shit in cold fusion and dot net and that is a no-no and they didn't block the pedos end of story um thank you guys for supporting i hope you guys uh, have a great week if you have any questions comments topic ideas anything on your mind at all hit us up at not rocket science show at gmail.com or on Instagram at NRS underscore show. Same with Twitter. And if you really like this podcast, leave a review on the App Store. It helps out. Every little bit helps. So thank you guys. Have a good one. See you next week. Take it easy. I'm going to log off because my neighbors downstairs are throwing a block party outside. And you might be able to pick this up. So that's all I got. Peace.